Blog Talk Radio. Right into this world, all alone. God take your soul, you're on your own. The crow flies straight. Welcome to Weigh-In Sports Talk. Today is Sunday, June 29th. Before we get started, here are a few reminders. We would love to hear from you, and here are several ways to weigh in. Call us at 646-716-5564 or join us in the chat room by listening online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Tarvino or follow us on Twitter at Weigh-In Sports. And here's your host, Brian Tarvin, and co-host, Kay Patterson. Let's weigh in. Thank you, Michelle, and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a live edition of Weigh-In Sports Talk. We are saying goodbye to June tonight, and what that means for everyone out there is we're only eight weeks away from college football. That's what it means. Eight more Saturdays left without being able to watch college football, and and we're in heaven again. August 30th, I believe, starts the college football season. I believe the 28th is the first game on a Thursday night where we'll see an SEC battle, A&M and South Carolina. But here we are. End of June this year has flown by so far, and it, it didn't take us long, guys. We're 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 really at the countdown. It's under 70 days now, so everybody get ready, buckle in. We're going to have a lot to talk about tonight. We're going to preview actually before we get into our in-depth analysis of of the college football teams from certain conferences tonight. We're going to talk in whole about the conferences, which conferences we look to improve this year, which ones we look to to take a decline from from last year. So is the SEC going to be number one in the ranking? We will find out. And if you'd like to call in tonight, 646-716-5564. I should be joined by a co-host soon. So until then, we're going to hit on the, the most important news. And breaking news today, very sad news to the Auburn family community, to the parents of a former Auburn great, Philip Lutzenkirchen, died in a car accident at 3 a.m. this morning in Georgia. Found out today, and it was it was devastating. And anybody out there would like to call in and share with us? Again, the call in number six four six seven one six five five six four. Looking at the the message boards out there, looking at the media, a lot of teams and and fans giving respect to Philip Lutzenkirchen and the Auburn family. This was a guy that, that really, to me, defined the definition of an Auburn man. I mean, he was a, a fan favorite. He was a, a player favorite. He was a coach's favorite. Heck, he was probably even his parents' favorite. But just very sad, sad news today to find out that he passed away in a single-car accident. Four people were involved. Two players, actually, or one player from Georgia, a baseball player, was killed. The driver, Philip Lutzenkirchen, was thrown from the car. And it's just very, very sad news to the Auburn community. And I know a lot of people out there just in disbelief right now asking the question, why did this happen to a guy so young? Remember Philip Lutzenkirchen, he was a a phenomenal tight end at Auburn in 2010. He was a big part of the national championship season. The next year um, he battled some injuries and, but he did. He did okay. He got. He, he was good enough to get to the NFL, and he just couldn't get over that hip injury. But he was a, a high school football coach, working in also with some in finance and wealth management. So 
but it was just devastating to hear that today. I, I read that today, and it just it just broke our hearts, especially the Auburn Nation. Um, wow, there's just so much going on. Trey, I don't know about you. I know you've heard about this. Give us your thoughts on Philip Lustenkirk. Yeah, I heard about it. I mean, obviously, you know, it's like any um, early death. It's, uh, you know, unfortunate uh, for sure. Yeah, I met Philip Ludzenkirk in in Arizona, actually, in the team hotel after the national championship game. Got to speak just a couple minutes with him. Seemed like a very humble kid, uh, very respectful, well-mannered. It just hurts the Auburn family, Trey. I mean, you you see this happening at a young age like this, and and I think people forget about the, the Georgia baseball player that passed away, too. Let's not forget about him. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, and a lot more, too. I mean, uh, but it's always sad to hear of young, tragic deaths, and uh, it's always just something you don't want to hear about. Yep, so so hopefully the Auburn family can come together and, and actually, you know, unite and make let's make them stronger going into this year. A family stays together in the good times and bad. Jonathan, give us your thoughts to Philip Lustenkirk. Um. I got to be honest, guys. I, I didn't. What happened? Philip Lessenkirken was killed in a car accident this morning in Georgia. It was a one oh. car accident. Oh, yeah. So that, that's um. Wow. That is. I want to extend my deepest condolences to his friends and family. Um. Gosh, no, that's a shame. I mean, to be so young, with your life ahead of you, and. You know, for him to pass—that's a shame. Um, that's hard. I mean, that's really hard. And probably you hit on the head. I mean, Auburn family—you know—need to you know stick there and stay strong. But not for nothing. You know, y'all got love from Florida State too. Uh, it's always tough when you lose when you lose one young. And I never heard a bad thing about that young man. And I really, I, I you know, I hope uh, you know I send all my prayers to his family and all of his friends. That's that's tough. Sonia, welcome to Way In Sports Talk. Give us your thoughts on Philip Lustenkirken and and your condolences from the Tide Nation over there. Yeah, Tarvin, uh, just like you, as, as soon as I saw it, it's, and it's harder also because he's from Atlanta. You know, he's a hometown boy to us. And uh, so it's been really, really, really hard for a lot of people here. <clears throat> um, it's it's just one of those things where you just have to when you when you see things like this and you see stories and you hear about these kids all rivalry all of that goes out of the window because it's it's like I said in my post every player out there is someone's son, someone's brother, someone's nephew, someone's cousin, someone's you know friend, teammate and it just it breaks my heart that this kid, who was such a good kid, I mean, every, just, even when he was at Lasseter, and just all the stuff that you would hear about him, it was all so great. So, believe me, the Bama Nation, all, all, all the Bama fans, and every Bama group, this is what's being posted. It's just love being sent, just prayers and support to the AU Tiger Nation, to his family, to his friends, to his fans, to his teammates you know, to those coaches and those people who are close to him. We just want to let you guys know, you know, forget football, forget the rivalry. We're here for you. We're sending you guys prayers. We're sending you guys love. And, uh, you know, we're here for you. 
Well, thank you very much, Sonia. And that's classy from the Alabama Nation. Trey, when you when you have moments like this, that, that Iron Bowl rivalry goes goes out the window, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Anytime you know, the, it kind of puts perspective, in it, or at least it should, uh, for any kind of any kind of rivalry. It is just a game. It is a sport. It is entertainment. Uh, so you know, there's real life that goes on um, with a lot of things, uh, and this just is one of those unfortunate incidents that really put it into perspective for us. Yeah, but you know, people die every day, and it's it's just not the people that you you know personally or you, or you're acquainted with, and. A lot of people are dying in, in automobile accidents. And, and one thing I'll say about this is, you know, Jonathan, they were ejected from the car. And just want to remind everyone out there, including myself, make sure you're buckled up when you're on those roads because anything can happen. You know, you feel invincible sometimes. You don't think it's going to happen to you, but, but sometimes it does. And just a reminder out there, everybody, mm-hmm. buckle up and be safe. So condolences again to Philip Lutz and Kirk. If you'd like to call in, 646-716-5564. Jonathan, man, NBA time right now just for a moment. Looks like LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Bosch opted out. Some people are, are saying that these three need to come back to Miami to make it stronger. Jonathan, I my opinion, and you tell me what you think. You bring Dwayne Wade back, you're weakening this team. You know, that's an interesting perspective because usually when you have a player like Wade who's been with the franchise his whole career, you would say, you know, oh, he's got, you know, three rings of the franchise, you know, you got to keep him around, he's been a star player. But Wade has never really been a leader, per se. Um, you know, you look at the at his 06 championship team and Shaq was the one who was doing all the talking and uh, the rah-rah. And you look at, you know, with these – in the big three era, it was LeBron really doing, you know, who took a leadership role. Wade took a back seat, even though it was his team, um, for all, you know, all intents and purposes. So, honestly, I think you can bring Wade back, but he has to realize that he is Manu Ginobili. Uh, he's coming off the bench. He's playing 20, 24 minutes a game, and that's it. Um, and he's only playing that 20, 24 in big spots. They need a young blood at shooting guard. They need somebody to you come in and – you know, be able to carry heavy minutes that's talented out there. And Lord knows there's plenty of talented two guards uh, out there in the NBA. You know, and it's it's going to be very interesting to see how the Heat handle this. Not only do they show loyalty to the big three, or does the big three show loyalty to them? Because LeBron's already piped up with, I want a max deal. And we all know uh, Mickey Harrison, the owner of the Heat, he wants to stay as far away from the luxury tax as possible. So it's going to be interesting to see where the balance is between the two sides. Because whatever LeBron does dictates what the Heat do as a whole. Exactly. And, and you know, I, I just think, you know, I've been called crazy. You know, you get rid of LeBron or you keep LeBron, you get rid of Wade, you bring somebody else in, and they talk about loyalty and, and everything. Well, this is business. And you don't pay someone and bring them back because of what they did in the past. You bring them back for what they can do now and in the future. If you're Miami Heat and you're looking to make a good business decision, you're going to send Wade. You're just not going to you're not going to bring him back, and that's just my opinion. And Jason Minson's on the line. I'm about to bring him on to talk about the Timberwolves, and I want his thoughts on the guy they drafted the other night. I'm trying to think of his name. It slipped me right now. That when he was drafted by the Timberwolves, 
he said two words that were were not very good. The cameras was on, the microphone was on. Jason, uh, tell us a little bit about the draft. What happened with this kid, and and what do you think of the Timberwolves fan of bringing somebody in with that kind of attitude? Uh, I mean, with the, with the draft, it's fifty fifty. I mean, you don't know what you're going to get. Um, to me, what I saw on draft day is what I saw last time when they drafted Love. He he reacted the same way. Like what? It it just it it always boils down to these kids don't want to come to Minnesota and play for some odd reason. Probably the weather. Um. Levine, I mean, he admitted it. He he mumbled it. You know, he fessed up to it. Um, I, I pretty much imagine that his agent told him he screwed up. So that's not how you want to um, start out your NBA career. Um, well, how are the fans going to welcome him uh, the first game he plays? <laughs> oh, I think I, I think he'll get booed. I mean, it's 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 sad, but. You know, I've said for years, my Timberwolves, they're 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 basically a farm team. But they have loyal fans. But they have loyal fans, you know. And when when Sonya told me we drafted a point guard, silence. We're like, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> so, I don't know. I you know, I'm not gonna guess, and I'm not gonna think for flip. You know, I'm I'm not gonna question what he's doing. He, He's got something in the works. I have no idea what it is. In the end, we're going to lose love. It's just how much are we going to get for him? Um, I don't. Hi, I don't have high remarks for love, just because. My theory is, to be considered a really good player, no matter no matter how bad your surrounding squad is, if you're elite, you should at least be able to make the playoffs as an eight seed in the NBA. It's yep. that easy. In the six years that Love has been there, we've never made the playoffs. So <clears throat> I'm I'm pretty much by. <laughs> we'll we'll be the same without you. So I mean he didn't play defense. Um I don't know, I like the more I think about it, I like the Levine pick. Um he doesn't want to be here, but you know, tough you know, it is what it is. <laughs> Any, this is what I don't get, Harvin. Any basketball player who leaves for the NBA, and you are projected to be a top fifteen pick, nope. you know you are going to a sucky team. Exactly. So I don't get what the damn surprise is. <laughs> you know. So I, whatever. You know it's. I got a while to let this mull over before basketball season again, and I, I'm just you know a month and a half away, two months from football, and that's all I care. Well, all right, Jason. Thanks for your opinion, buddy. Hold on just there a second, Trey. Um, what are your thoughts on the Timberwolves getting rid of Love and and this kid that they just drafted? The words he used. Uh, what do you think about this kid? Well, I mean, there's a lot of people who in the NBA don't want to go to teams. I mean, for instance, Parker, um, a lot of people thought tanked his Cleveland um, interview, which, I mean, a Duke player doesn't tank interviews, and then didn't work out very well for them because he wanted to go to Milwaukee over 
Cleveland. So, um, you know, this kind of stuff happens in basketball. It happens in football, by the way. I mean, Eli Manning, uh, for one. Uh, so, I mean, it, this kind of stuff does happen. Uh, I was kind of like Jason, and the bigger point that I saw out of this, Tarvin, was you're drafting a shooting guard slash point guard when you have Rubio and you're losing love. You know, to me, it didn't seem like the best move. I mean, they didn't have the worst draft. I mean, there are some teams who uh, I could not believe drafted players um, just shocked um, at what they're thinking. Uh, but, I mean, the Minnesota Timberwolves, you know, if he, is a, if he does play shooting guard, they may have something with Rubio. But if he doesn't, and he's a point guard, then I don't know what they're doing. What do you think about Jason's comments about love, making the playoffs, not making the playoffs in six years? I, I think if it was in the East, I, I, would, I would think less of love in the Timberwolves. But because it's in the West, Trey, it's just so hard to, to make the top eight. I mean, the West is loaded. Yeah, I mean, there's that. I mean, Kevin Love would have easily made the playoffs almost every single year if he was in the East. The West is a different story. And you have to think about um, they didn't have anybody else. And in the West, that matters. I mean, Ricky Rubio has been a project uh, and had some nagging injuries. So while he's a decent point guard, you can't even say he's really in the top ten. I and mean, he's kind of on the borderline. So, I mean, who else on that team um, do you really rely on or even think is even a piece of a player for Kevin Love? I mean, Kevin Love is a beast and my guy who can put up 20 and 15 in a night. Um, but who else on that team do you really look at who's going to give you double digits every day? Exactly, and I'm bringing in Jonathan. Jonathan, looking at the Phoenix Suns, were you a little disappointed, surprised? What was your reaction to them not doing a trade, maybe trading some of those picks for some veterans, somebody that could probably help them get into the playoffs now and win now? These rookies they drafted are not going to help them immediately. Or I'm not disappointed in Phoenix because – Phoenix made it known back in, you know, December. We want to trade our pick for something. You know, we, we're trying to make a move here. Who will trade with us? You know, Phoenix was aggressive in trying to move those first-round picks for somebody, and nobody's willing to bite. And I didn't understand that being that this is an extremely deep draft, uh, why no teams were willing to bite, pick up three first-rounders and hand them, you know, a good player. But, I mean not a superstar, obviously. You're not going to get Carmelo for three first-rounders, even though maybe the Knicks might have jumped at that. I don't know. But you know, it's, it's just very interesting where Phoenix found themselves, um, you know, with those three first-round picks. And I think they did the best they could in the situation, knowing that they, for some reason nobody was willing to trade with them. And that had to be extremely frustrating, being in that, that, that you know, the draft room and going, literally nobody's calling us right now saying, hey, we want this player. What, what, what do you want for this pick? That's got to be really frustrating. Yeah, and Phoenix I thought would do a little trading. I thought they would they would trade, trade, maybe get a, a veteran with one of those to help win now. I mean, looking at Phoenix, I mean, they're, they're a team of the future, right? Yeah, I mean, that's all they have is a bunch of young guys. And it's kind of like Cleveland, where you look at Cleveland and you go, well, they got three first-round picks and three number one picks in four years. You know, four top three picks in, in four years. And uh, if you include Tristan Thompson, they got number three. So you're looking at it and you go, look at a bunch of young, good talent, but, I mean, when does that young, good talent become a playoff team? And that's Phoenix. I mean, you got Dragic, uh, you have Bledsoe, and then you kind of sit there and you go, well, 
the bunch of young guys you're kind of waiting on to develop and, and, and get moving. And it's, it's, it's definitely kind of one of those rebuilding projects in Phoenix. So I think the fans have some hope after what they saw last year, but they're still sitting there waiting going, can we get just one guy who's going to make a difference? Just one, and I'll be happy. Yeah, the NBA draft. Trey, and I'll ask you before we get off the NBA, why is the NBA draft not exciting? You see the NFL, you see the stage they have for the draft. I mean, the the first three days on TV, people are glued, especially in the first round. Why can the NBA not touch the NFL when it comes to the draft? Well, you know, I, I do agree with you that it's not the same. One is, I think, just because of the level of the sports currently. But, you know, I will say, you know, talking about the Phoenix Suns, Tarvin, I thought the worst draft went to the Philadelphia 76ers, who I, I, I just – I looked back <laughs> on it and I thought I would have, you know, like, you know, a week later or a couple days later, sorry, to think about it and maybe reevaluate my initial reactions. But, I mean, you got Nerlens Noel coming back for them after he missed it all last year. He's the rookie of the year, you know, really to build off of, but he's not a shooter. So at, at three, you take a guy who – we really think he's not like Nerlens Noel. I mean, what do you play those two guys together? And then you take uh, and you trade away your pick, uh, which was a terrible point guard anyway because you already had one. But then you, you get a guy out of Croatia who, who's not going to play for, what, five years maybe? I mean, so uh, the Philadelphia 76ers just absolutely uh, just just crapped the bed with their picks. Like, just I mean, they needed a shooting guard. They needed a forward. They could have got them both of them. Even if Embiid is, you know, the next Hakeem Olajuwon, uh, do you move Nerland Noel? Maybe that's what their plan is, even though he's going to miss all year. Uh, man, I just scratched my head with their picks, and especially this guy out of Croatia. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, the NBA is a long season. We'll be covering it pretty soon. Big news right now we're following. Where is LeBron going to end up? What are the? How are the Heat? going to put a team together to be able to compete with a team out west because trade looking at Miami I think they have a lot of work to do to to get back to that championship level it seems the west is getting better I mean you saw Dallas take San Antonio seven games they're the eighth seed and you saw Miami just get blown off a of court so they have a lot of work to do that's what I'm looking for right now to see where these guys end up so we'll see you're listening to weigh in sports talk live and let me Bring up at 9.15, Tex Noel, Trey. You love stats, right, Trey? Oh, yeah, I do. Hey, and why come about the heat, Carvin? Just remember, they got a pretty decent guy in draft. We'll have to see how that works out, but go ahead, man. Oh, yeah, Tex Noel. You're going to love this guy, Trey. I brought him on. Sonia introduced me to him on Facebook. He's a, he's actually the founder of the Intercollegiate Football Researchers Association. You're going to you're going to really love hearing him discuss the stats. And I'm not just talking about rushing, passing. I mean, the in-depth stats, analysis of sports, especially when it comes to college football. He's going to be on at 9.15. we got about, what, about 17, oh, excuse me, 24 minutes. I can't even count tonight, Trey. But uh, also, you know, just to, just to bring him on right here and let him introduce what he does, the website, business, uh, newsletter, all that good stuff. Want to welcome Chris Alderson in the chat room. Big Texas Longhorns fan right now. Um, we're going to talk some Texas Longhorn football in a minute. Get your guys' opinion on it. Sonia and Jason's in the chat room. Bruce Cowart was in the chat room, but I know he's listening online tonight. We have several guests. 
the guests in the chat room, please go to blocktalkradio.com and, and register for a free account so we'll know who you are so you can post in our chat room. Trey, eight Saturdays remain, or excuse me, let's say you have eight more Saturdays left to go without college football. How are you going to make it in those eight weeks? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it, it's coming up. I like the summer, so you know I'm okay with where we are. Obviously, I miss football, but uh, you know we're, we're getting close, Tarvin. It's going to be really awesome because the first game of the year is in Dallas. It's going to be awesome, so we're getting there, Tarvin, slowly but but surely. Man, you're not as pumped up as I'd like. Man, I expect you to act like you're on cocaine or something on this show tonight. <laughs> Talking just eight weeks away. Yeah, well, eight weeks I like away, summer, well, man. So. Oh, man, boo, I'm going to mute you for a second. I'm bringing Jonathan on. Jonathan, man, eight weeks left until college football. I mean, can you even wait that long? I mean, eight weeks. Look, I, I'm, I've become a World Cup junkie just because oh, God. it's boo. something else right now. I need college football like nobody's business. My baseball team is the worst in the league record-wise. I need football. I can't wait for Dallas. That, that that game is Oklahoma State's going to be huge. I'm going to be honest with you. Thursday night, before that, Texas A&M at South Carolina, you can bet first game of the year, national television game of the year. I'm tuning into that because I'm going to need it. I'm going to need that bad. I miss college football like nobody's business. Well, Sonia, I'll ask you, you and Jason, I mean, eight weeks away. I mean, is, are you looking at it like, I can't wait eight more weeks? Or are you looking at it like, wow, we're only eight weeks away? Wow, we're only eight weeks away. And <laughs> both, especially when you, it's like, we all know this, and we go through it every year, so we should never expect anything else. But it's it's kind of like when you get, I'd say, eight to 12 weeks out, that's when you start seeing the, if the 1924 Hoosiers played the 1876 whatever, and the who's the best person of this position and who's the best of this, and the you get so tired of those posts, and it's only because people are jonesing for football. So I think that's when you see an increase of uh, of the the Pac-12 and the Big Ten networks and ESPNU playing college games and the spring games because they know you know we're jonesing for it. But we just exactly, just, and Trey. Uh, I'll, I'll look at you like this. This this part of the year scares me the most as a college football fan, and all of you can agree with me probably. We have July and August until these kids get into camp. Jonathan Minty, uh-huh. a fifth-year senior for Auburn, Trey was arrested for possession of marijuana. He was riding in a car with four people. They charged him with it. He had the marijuana on his shirt. From what I'm hearing, I wasn't there. They charged him with it. If your Gus Malzahn, on, are, are you just about to pull your hair out now, especially with the news today, what happened with Philip Lutzekirchen? If you're Gus, how are you going to handle a fifth-year senior trade that's never been in one bit of trouble, never has had a speeding ticket, but got charged with uh, possession of marijuana? Even though it's a misdemeanor, do you kick him off the team, or what do you do with him? Well, I mean, it's one of those things that, you, know, you hope you have you have a policy in place for things like possession of marijuana and possession of spice, underage drinking. I mean, those are the big ones in college anyway. So you probably have a pretty good um, you know idea of what you're going to do with those kind of guys. So I mean, I think you do the same thing you do for everybody else, fifth year, senior, or freshman. 
Jonathan, I mean, you, you and a Florida State fan like Trey is, and you know there's an arrest coming somewhere in Tallahassee between now and football season. I mean, are you holding your Thanks. breath right now? Are you holding your breath? Yeah, I am. I really am, especially once I, I saw Mincy. Uh, I saw the, I saw that pull up, and I was like, oh, Lord. If that boy's going to get in trouble. Lord knows what's going to happen to Tallahassee now and then. I mean, somebody's going to do something stupid. I mean, luckily... Last year's off season, like the biggest news was Nick O'Leary flying off his motorcycle. Um, let's try to avoid that. But can we just avoid anybody getting in trouble? You know, let's let's try. You know, let's let's try and be like good people for once. And you know, stay out of complete trouble. And when you see a cop literally go the other way and start taking a bunch of zigzags, I don't I don't want nobody even talking to a cop at this point right now. <laughs> How do you? What do you do with Jonathan Mincy? And you're. And, and let me let me set the stage for when Auburn won the championship in 2010. They undefeated the next year. They start that was the summer with the arrest. They had the arrest, the murder of those two ex players, and the team fell apart. I mean, if you're Gus Malzahn, do you, are you having flashbacks a little bit of this? And how do you handle it if you're Gus? Jonathan Mincy, uh, a good kid. He does a lot of speaking with kids about staying away from drugs and. You know, he made a mistake. Do you kick him off the team, or, or how do you handle this? If I, I mean, like Trey said, there's a policy in place, and because it's it's one of those things where you kind of just shake your head and you're like, boys will be boys, I guess. Um, you're so dumb you got caught, so you need to be punished. Um, at this point, though, because, I mean, it's a misdemeanor. It's not like it was intent to sell, and he didn't have a gun in the car and all this other stuff. Um I think you just kind of look at him and you go, how, how, how much do you like stadium? Because you're going to learn to lo- love him in the next four weeks. Every day. Every day. You're going to learn to love stadium for the next four weeks. Yeah. I, I just I look at it, and, and I know for a fact this is a good kid. You know, I know. I've I've actually met the kid. He's, he's a decent defensive player. You know, he's gotten a little better every season, and he's one of the – the key is their secondary this year. Don't want to lose him, but also don't want Gus to, to go easy on someone and just let them do what they want to in order to win football games. So I'm sure Gus will handle it the right way, but it would be hard to kick this guy off the team for his first defense of anything when you brought in Trey Matthews from Georgia, you know, after he was kicked off by Rick. So it's kind of like we're going to give him a second chance, but we're not going to give you one. I think that would send a – a bad message out to the team, so we'll 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 keep looking at this. But there's nothing worse. I would rather I would rather my player get caught with marijuana than I would punching a girl in the face. I don't know if you 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 heard about that at Texas Tech, but one of these recruits, what is the name, Nigel Bethel, punched a, a basketball player, a female basketball player, in the face, Jonathan, and put her in the hospital. I mean, that's pretty bad. That's about as low as you can go. Is an athlete. Yeah, that's not like jail time. Um, my goodness, how of a human being can you be? Um, that's, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, dude, really? Like, really? I mean, you got nothing better to do. There's nothing else you possibly could have gone out and done that night. Maybe go out and hang out with the boys. Go to a party. You decide to go clock somebody and put her in the hospital? Really? Come on, man. 
I think he was at the rec center, Trey, playing basketball. Maybe maybe she made him look bad. I mean, have you heard the entire story of this out of Texas Tech? Trey. Oh, sorry, I was on mute. Hey, uh, I've heard the story, man, and i got to tell you, yeah, it's, I mean, this is the kind of thing um, that you, it is different. I mean, I agree with you, I and mean, there's really no place for it. I mean, kind of violence like this. Um, obviously, I think he's already picked off the team, which is what you, you know, which is what you can do is from the football standpoint. But um, you know, he should be, you know, taken to the full extent of the law. I mean, this kind of stuff. There's really no place for it. Or you could be a former Georgia Tech player to to lock your kid in a basement for a year. Maybe that could be a little worse. I don't know, but hey, just yeah. just talking about it. Uh, Bob Stoops. I don't know if we talked about this. Trey, did we talk about this Sunday night, Bob Stoops getting a raise? Yeah, we did. Okay, I thought we did. I had it on my notebook, and I, I didn't have a check mark by it, so it wasn't going off. But this college football season is dynamic. We've already discussed the playoff, we, you know, what we think the criteria will be. But, Jonathan, I was I was looking at it, you know, looking at the schedules of all these conferences, looking at their out-of-conference schedule. And and I'm going to tell you the big t- or the SEC gets a lot of you know flack about not scheduling people out of conference. But if you look over the last few years, especially this year, their out of conference is loaded up. And when I went over to the Big Ten just to kind of look at theirs, it, it's mm-hmm. just amazing. And and one thing I saw on ESPN this weekend, and they had a scenario where they gave their four playoff teams, and out of those four playoff teams, Jonathan Michigan State was listed there at number four with a two-loss record. And, and what he said was a Big Ten champion with two losses would go over a one-loss like SEC team. I can't imagine. Tell me this. I cannot imagine a one-loss Big Ten champion making it in this four-team playoff. I mean, what do you think about a two-loss Michigan State team is? I mean, Michigan State's got themselves a little bit of an uh, out-of-conference this year. I know they got Oregon. um and, of course, Notre Dame. So it's not like they're slouching when it comes to non-conference scheduling. But at the same time, I, I have a hard time, unless, like, we're out of one-loss teams and undefeated teams, I have a hard time believing a two-loss team is going to get in at all. You're talking about 11-2 and two Michigan State getting in? Well, okay, I guess over 11-1 who? <laughs> you know, 11-1 Auburn? 11-1 Alabama? I don't think that's going to fly. Um, I mean, I have a hard time believing any two-loss teams are going to get in unless we're, at, you know, we're out of undefeated and one-loss teams. Just that's the well, way I look at it right now. Jason Minson's working on getting me an interview with with a couple of people, and I'm not going to give the names or who it is, but Jason's working on that right now to see what we can get from the Big Ten. But, but Trey, I look at Ohio State schedule, man. And and I I look at Ohio I mean I'm just like wow how are they going to lose more than one game I mean I don't know if you've got a chance to look over it but the Big Ten right now to me I mean how, how strong is the Big Ten going to be in your opinion Trey I, I don't see it being any better than they were last year but here's the scenario that I think could happen with say a Michigan State team and I, I think only Michigan State. With a loss, if Michigan State loses to, let's say, Ohio State, who lost to somebody else, um, and Michigan State has a loss, but they have that win against Oregon, and Oregon were to run the table except for that loss and win the Pac-12. 
then I think Michigan State might get in. I don't know over who. I mean, that scenario gets kind of crazy. But I think that's the only likelihood that that a that a Big Ten team gets in with a single loss. I think two losses is just somebody who wanted to draw up, um, you know, people who, to look at their website and to watch them on TV. But I mean, that's a real scenario. I think the only real scenario is a Michigan State team beat Oregon on the road, uh, and then they lose somehow in the Big Ten but still win the Big Ten. Uh, and Oregon goes off and does great things too, and so that win looks pretty darn good at the end of the year. I don't see any other scenario being likely. Well, you know, the Big Ten expert we have on the show, Jason Minson, I, I saved him for last on this because I, I want his opinion on the Big Ten, and, and usually he's dead on about who's going to be strong, but Jason, I don't envision a two-loss team getting into any playoff, regardless of what conference they're in, really, unless everybody has two losses and they're they're choosing that way. But looking at the Big Ten Conference, what are you mm-hmm. seeing, Jason, this year compared to last year? Um, I've seen a stronger conference, but a two-team, a two-loss team is not getting into the playoff. I mean, the only likelihood of anyone going to that is the winner of the Big Ten championship. And a two-loss team is not going to get into that play, that that game. So um, I agree with Trey. You know, if they got one loss but they win the Big Ten championship, they'll get in. But other than that, nah. Um, Ohio State's schedule is pretty weak. Um, it's atrocious at a conference, for sure. Well, I, you know – when I hear people gripe about out-of-conference games, you know, cupcakes and four, the first four games are a joke, I just kind of turn to turn a turn my head to it so I don't have to listen to it because <laughs> get it. I mean, because I'm one of those teams that is considered a cupcake. So when you look at our four games that we play at the beginning of the year, um, we've got two tough games. I mean, we've got TCU and San Jose State. So. You know, I'm on the other end, so I I don't want to hear it because. Are, are you are you are you saying Minnesota's a cupcake? No way. Historically, I mean, Tarver, come on. Historically, we were the team that traveled to get money. <laughs> I mean, we are, we are we were one of those teams. We're not anymore. Um, <clears throat> I think Kill too. He he's. I love what he's doing. You know, you you've got to schedule tough out of conference games. Um, it's a good gut check for us. I mean, we have to see how we are from year to year, and uh, you know, Minnesota's going to be pretty good this year. You know, well, I, your schedule's brutal, man. You're at TCU, at Michigan, at Illinois, home against Ohio State, at Nebraska, and at Wisconsin. I mean, yeah, that's, it's brutal. That's pretty it's brutal. tough. And and, and this year. Is the first time you know in a long time we have both Michigan and Ohio State on our schedule, but you know, I, in the end, for me to see improvement in my team, I still want to make a bowl game, and a success would, for me would be winning that bowl game. But you know, back to the topic, I don't see much out of Ohio State this year. They're not like last year. They got to rebuild too. Um, it's going to be Michigan State. 
in the end, though, you got to you got to just you got to deal with past performances and past impressions because you got to impress people who are on that committee. And but the Big Ten better do something because otherwise they won't have anyone in that dance. That's a that's a good point. And Trey, looking at the the Big Ten and looking at Penn State. What do you think of James Franklin moving from the SEC there? You look at recruiting, like we talked about the other night. He's dominating right now in recruiting. How is he going to do year one in this conference? I mean, he could come out of nowhere and win it. I mean, Penn State's not a no-name. Well, I mean, they have a fantastic quarterback. I mean, they have, you know, I think he was the number one quarterback in the nation by some by some ranking in Hackenberg. Uh, so, you know, he has something to build around. The problem is they still have no depth on defense. Running back isn't that great. The receivers are okay. Um, can they win the Big Ten? I mean, it's possible because, you know, the Big Ten really has uh, only a couple teams uh, who, are, you know, we, we consider, you know, big enough for the dance, if you will. Uh, Michigan, who knows what they're going to be this year. We saw what they were last year. We know Ohio State's going to be good. Michigan State still has a lot to prove. They haven't done it, you know, back-to-back years. Um, I think they're getting a lot of cred from last year. But, I mean, look at the talent on that roster. They had to rebuild in some places. So, and they're not a team that has a lot of five stars back behind it. So, you know, I mean, Penn State has has some talent enough to make uh, make an impression, I think, Tarvin. But I wouldn't expect them to go off and win the Big Ten this year. I just don't expect that out of them. No, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a rebuilding year, Jonathan. And and let's let's look real quick at Wisconsin. If they get past that game against LSU, Jonathan, this is a team that could run the table and be in that playoff. I mean, nobody's talking about Wisconsin. Yeah, Wisconsin is a team that is underrated every year. Nobody really pays attention to them, and they come out and they play smash mouth, ground the ball, you know, diamond throw kind of football. Uh, you know, it depends on quarterback play for Wisconsin this year. I mean, if they can get past LSU, I think the only way they can do that is if they limit their mistakes. Um, then, I mean, yeah, they could easily run the table. And that's one of the things that you got to look at. Uh, Wisconsin, I think, is a very good football team. Um, I, I don't think their schedule is overly daunting. Uh, and I, I honestly believe that this is a team that every year I'm kind of like, oh, Wisconsin's going to make a run. And every year they do something, and then all of a sudden they'll kind of teeter off. And you're like, oh, oh. Come on now. I mean, three straight Big Ten, you know, championships was no fluke. Let's let's not try and uh, deny that. But this is a team that, for some reason, even when they have Russell Wilson, just could not figure out a way to to get to that 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 big stage. Well, I think this is kind of like an elimination game early. Wisconsin, LSU. I, I don't think either team this year has what it takes to win it all. But you know, we've we've seen it before. They come out of nowhere. A team can, but. I'm, I'm just looking at it. It's kind of an elimination game week one, and it's going to be good to see Wisconsin's – I mean, they, these two teams match up perfectly against each other. The difference is LSU has four- and five-star athletes everywhere where Wisconsin does it. It's going to be interesting. We're about two minutes away from Tex coming on. Um, he's going to call in momentarily. We're going to get him in. Real quick before Tex comes on, I think Big E's in the queue. What's going on, Big E? Not much, man. What are you doing? Oh, doing a show, man. Just sitting here, just killing time. Killing time. I know that's what you like to do. What's on your mind, buddy? Oh, 
No, I just thought I'd call in. I seen where you I'd missed your call today, so I thought you wanted me to call in, so that's what I'm doing. I didn't know if you had something well, I mean, to talk about. We're, 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 we're talking about the Big Ten dominance. Big Ten dominance. That's uh, minuscule, isn't it? <laughs> Not non-existent? Uh, extinct? You're, well, for this, the past few years it has been, just a few, not many. Uh, I did have a thought for the week, though. You know, in White Man Can't Jump, Woody Harrelson's girlfriend, I can't remember her name, she said... Uh, Gloria. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes when you win, you actually lose or tie. And sometimes when you tie, you actually win or lose. And sometimes when you lose, you actually win or tie. That is my new philosophy for soccer. <laughs> wow, you, you thought of that on your own, huh? <laughs> yeah. I knew there had to be a reference in that movie to something in my life sooner or later, and I finally came across something that it's it's it relevant. It's relevant to. Well, Everett, stay on stay on hold with us right quick. We're gonna bring our guests on. Tex Noel, out of Indiana of all places, a basketball state, not a football state. How are you doing, Tex? Doing good, Brian. How are you doing tonight? Oh, doing good. What's the weather like up there in Indiana? Well, kind of hot and muggy, chance of rain, but nothing falling yet. Well, thanks for joining us on the show tonight. And Trey Patterson, my co-host, he's a he's a stat freak. That's all he studies is stats. So you're a perfect guest for us tonight. Sonia Minson's on. She used to do this for a living, actually. Just wanted to bring you on and, and talk to you, ask you some questions, and, and brag on you a little bit. How does that sound? Sounds good to me. How, how's everybody doing tonight? Doing well, good. Good. Doing good. And uh, I hope you are as well. And statisticians, they've always interested me. I, I, I love stats, but you know what, Tex? I'm lazy sometimes, and I, I just hate going in there and calculating all that stuff. So, so tell me real quick about what got you into statistics, what what drew you to that? Well, I, you know, since I couldn't play, I I mean, I tried out, got cut, but I wanted to be around sports because it's all I've ever liked. So I figured either writing or statistics or both, and I've done the writing part, and I prefer doing the statistics and more so doing the statistical mm-hmm. research, digging way back into history. Well, you you are the the executive director and founder of Intercollegiate Football Researchers Association. Tell us a little bit about that. It started about six years ago, and it's a month free monthly newsletter. Anybody can subscribe. All they have to do is contact me. We publish original stories written by the subscribers or people who contribute stories, like you know, newspaper writers that have a story, and they'll submit stuff to us. It's on every level. It's on any season, as long as it's college football, but we do not accept anything but gambling or any you know, non-family traditional stuff. Okay. Well, I want to start off with the first question, really, Tex, and then I'll turn it to Trey. He'll ask two, a couple of questions and then come back to me. But I've always wondered, and maybe you can help me out on this, who actually determines really the relevancy of statistics? Which statistics will be used and games and, and, and which are kept and, and actually, you know, everybody looks at. Who, who determines which ones are relevant? Well, the NCAA keeps, I think, about 20, 25 every game, and they compile a big data base, and then they release them, and then 
It's up to the schools to keep send them to send the stats from the game to the NCAA or the NAIA. Once they get them, they assimilate them, and then they send them out to the major medias or put them on their website now since everything's going to the web. And they've been the NCAA's been doing this since 1937, and it's, you know longevity. They make mistakes because, like everybody does, but overall they have very you know good statistical background. Okay. Trey? Hey, uh, how's it going, man? All right, Trey. How you doing, man? Good. Hey, we talked about last week. I'm going to throw a little curve at you. Carvin and I were, and the, the listeners were talking about, you know, basically we've got this college football playoff coming, and it seems to me that, that every time something is going on that ESPN has their hand in, they come up with a statistic to basically help us out in, you know, deciding who um, – who should be in what, you know, whether it's RPI in basketball, or the QBR in the NFL, you name a statistic that seems to be an ESPN creation. What do you think we're going to see with this college football playoff? Do you see a new stat coming, uh, maybe even based on strength of schedule and, you know, home and aways or so? Just what, what, what do you think is coming in that regard? I think, you know, all along, the, you know, they have the RPI in basketball, which I don't understand a bit, but they should get all these computer brains and come up with a central idea and use the RPI but only using football variables and come up with the strength of schedule to help determine who goes where in the playoffs. Because otherwise you're just going to vote. It's just might as well go back to the old AP era. And that's, you know, that's way back in there. So we need something that's concrete, fair for every team, and no bias. That's going to be the hard part because everybody has their team. Yeah, I agree with you. I think we're going to see some sort of ESPN statistic. They'll come up with some sort of fancy name for us. And, right. and you're right. Both RPI and QBR, ESPN has never actually released how they technically calculate it, uh, sort of a, a mystery in a, you know, a cloaked veil. Uh, so I think we'll see something along the lines for college football. Uh, what do you think is the most telling stat uh, when you're, unless, and let's say, you know, keeping college football, when you're evaluating a player uh, for something like the Heisman, what is the most important stat that you that you think is out there? More or less what he does against quality competition. Because, I mean, anybody could run for 100, 200 yards against a smaller level or a major college that's not a, as a powerhouse as your team is. So if, you know, you go against the major colleges and you set a goal for going for, you know, so many yards against a quality team, that should have more of a reflection than if a guy rushes for 2,000 against, quote-unquote, cupcakes. Okay. Well, Tex, you know, I'm a, when I look at stats, I think of the old days. Not old days. I'm thinking 80s, you know, and I think Herschel Walker, Bo Jackson, back when I was a kid. But now, you know, the stats since 2002, the NCAA allowed bowl games to count. Are, are they going to go back and actually – like, say, Bo Jackson played in the Cotton Bowl, are they going to add those those rushing yards and touchdowns to his stats, or are they going to leave them alone and just from 2002 current? I think they're just going to leave them for 2002 current because, I mean, every year something changes, and you can't just go back and change cause make things retroactive is what they've done. So what they've done, like, from 2002 forward, that's what the rules say. Prior to 2002, that's the rules say, don't include the bowl stats. And... Really, I agree with him. You know, he shouldn't go back because, I mean, sure, Bo Jackson had a great Cotton Bowl, but 
that he played under the rules at the time that you know determined what, what his yardage was. Some schools keep him. I mean, even back in the twenties, USC counted a lot of their stats from the Rose Bowl. They just said bowl game stats included, and there's no way to break those down. So, so how do you determine if you're comparing a running back from the fifties? compared to one now you know now they can possibly play 14 games now 15 games just looking at stats alone is not enough to really compare two players right i guess the old thing is compared to apples oranges it's whoever really what i've always determined was who does have the better yardage like say bo jackson had 1500 herschel had 1700 in the same in different seasons herschel was the better back because he had the more yards even if he played more games or less games, he has the highest total yardage. And that's, you know, your best within your framework of your stats plus within the team framework of the season you played in. All right, Trey? Yeah, hey, what do you think is the, you know, we're talking about the Big Ten. Uh, statistically speaking, you know, what do you think the best Big Ten team we're going to see this year that may surprise us? It may surprise. That's a good question because I don't follow the Big Ten. Uh, <laughs> I'm not Indiana I'm man. I'm not following the Big Ten. I love it, Tex. Hey, I'm 25 miles from Indiana University, and I'm not a fan of IU either. You're a Texas Longhorn fan. That's what you are. <laughs> you got it. Hey, I'm for any team in the South, but preferably the Longhorns, right? Because the South is where the best footballs played. Period. No questions about it. All right, we're talking about the Longhorns, man. Looking at them this year, what do you think? Well, I'm hoping they'll do good, but, I mean, with the change of coaches, personally, I would not let Mac Brown go. Sure, he's had some rough times, but he's the next second best coach that school's ever had outside of Darrell Royal. And they really didn't do him right. Sure, he had some issues, and he couldn't win some big games, which is the bottom line. But you lose key players, people get hurt, you're going to, you know, lose your chemistry. Well, Texas, is there any stats out there? I know people talk about rushing, passing. They look at these stats. Give me an old stat that, that nobody really, or a record or a stat, something nobody would know on this show. Well, okay, what's the most points? Almost, almost everybody knows the most points scored in a game. Y'all know that? Uh, was it 200? Was it, was it oh, around two hundred? Pardon me. The two twelve. Two twenty-two. Ah, that was close. Yes, and that was when Cumberland beat the you know, Cumberland University played Georgia Tech in nineteen sixteen. And funny kind of in my newsletter that I publish, we had a story that the day before Cumberland played Georgia Tech, two teams in Oklahoma played. The night before, and you just happened to look up at the dateline, and it had that game because the paper came out the day of the Georgia Tech game, so they said this was the world record. So in other words, their world record was less than 24 hours. But that 2:22, I'd love to see that game. I love a good offensive game if it's a blowout. <laughs> well, let's hear like Cumberland defensive coordinator. I'm sorry. Unless you happen to be the Cumberland defensive coordinator. Right. Well, Tex, looking at national championships in the old days, you know, looking at that, 
did, did the pollsters, the people deciding who were the national championships, did they what, what kind of stats were they looking at? I know wins and losses is one, but but were they looking at something else to determine? I'd say that's mostly what they went by, but maybe they had some quote unquote mystique formula that you know where they had teams or you know bases on who they played without actually releasing it to the public. So they could have said, well, they beat this team, they were ranked higher, give them X points, and then somehow do it. But I think mostly it just went by wins and losses plus who you played at that time in the bowl game. All right. Well, Tex, let everybody know how to follow you on Twitter, how to get you on Facebook, and how to get that newsletter again. Okay, and newsletter... It's, you can inbox me at stat, S-T-A-T, underscore, historian at inbox.com. The name of the newsletter is the College Football Historian. It comes out the first Saturday of every month. We have over 600 subscribers worldwide, and, I'm, and we send it out BCC, so nobody knows the emails but me, and I don't share them. As far as Twitter, I don't have a Twitter handle. I haven't got that far yet. But as far as anything okay. else, uh, what else are you looking for, Brian? No, that's it. That's good. Well, Tex, I want to thank you for coming on the show tonight. Great stuff. And uh, hopefully you can join us again soon. I really enjoyed the interview. Trey, I'm, I learned a little bit tonight. What about you? <laughs> uh, well, Tarvin, I can say that I absolutely learned something. And then uh, – but uh, I chuckled when you said you learned something, Tarvin, because I think you learn a little bit something every day, every time we have anybody on. Because uh, we, we have a lot of uh, really good callers, really good interviews on this show, so it's, it's hard not to pick up something from these folks. Hey, I wouldn't bring them on if I wasn't going to learn something. That's that's just the way I am. But the tech seems like a good guy. And statisticians always just – I'd like to sit with him a few hours and just pick his brain on some of this stuff. So, Tex, I'm going to call you – soon and maybe sit down. I don't know if you want to talk to me two or three hours. You may want to shoot yourself, but hey, we'll, we'll break it up in 30-minute increments. How does that sound, Trey? You think he'll go for it? <laughs> I don't know if he can take you that long, man. Here's a stat, Trey. I mean, I mean, here's what people always said. Defense wins championships, and in this new new game of football, the way it's played with the offense, I mean, is that going to be true? I mean, you saw the 2010 Auburn team not very good defense at all. And this year's Auburn team defense wasn't good yardage-wise in the situation. So how long is it going to be before offense wins championships? Well, I mean, I think offense won, much, won last year's championship, even though um, you can honestly say that Florida State's defense holding Auburn down uh, may have won it too. I mean, but you have, to have, you have to have an offense in college football, um, you know, nowadays. I mean, I, I just think that you have to have that kind of balance it takes an elite defense and an elite offense nowadays to get to get there. I mean, you just can't have one. Well, I'm going to bring Cuervo on. He's in the studio right now. Cuervo, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? What's up, Tarvin? How are you, buddy? Hey, I found a perfect introduction for you. You ready? Listen. Listen, here's the thing. If you can't spot the sucker in your first half hour at the table... And you are the sucker. How does that go, Cuervo? How do you like that? Wait, I, what, what do you say if you don't do what? If you can't spot the sucker your first 30 minutes, half hour at the table, then you are the sucker. So I'm saying you are the sucker. 
How am I the sucker? What did I what did I do? I'm joking, man. How's everything going with you? Oh, good. Doing real good. Um, you know, it was hot as hell here in Chicago, but then again, I mean, you wouldn't you couldn't expect anything else in, in the Midwest on a humid day in June, so but uh everything's great. I was uh you know, just wanted to give you a call since I know I don't come on much. I was like, I, I owe you a phone call. I owe you uh, a little bit of uh, time on air. So here I am. Well, welcome to the show, man. And, and Trey, I don't think he understands hot as hell until he's been in Alabama or Georgia for a summer, right? Oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, man, come on. It's bad here, man. It's so bad. The devil's sitting in the shade right now. But I did speak to someone in in New Jersey the other day, and he said it was like 101, and I was like, I didn't know it got that hot up north, but obviously it does in the Midwest. It's not only hell in Alabama, it's hell everywhere. So I'm ready for the fall to get here, Cuervo, for the dew to hit. So so tell me about the college football season coming up. What do you, I mean, are you excited about it? What are you looking for? What What, what kind of questions do you have going into it? I'm not human if I'm not excited about it, Tarvin. I mean, it's college football, man. I mean, you're talking about the most electric atmospheres in in all the sports. You know, going to uh, Jordan Hare, going to uh, the University of Georgia, I mean, Florida State. I mean, my God, I mean, it doesn't get any better than, than, you know, knowing that being able to, watch games and just the excitement of college football, the passion that they, they play. I mean, of course, I'm always excited. And it's not even July yet. And, and we're sitting here and we're talking about that. We can't wait for it. It's just like we were talking about earlier. I mean, it is not even July and we are just thirsty for football. Absolutely thirsty for it. I was thirsty in February. Right, right. As soon as the Super Bowl was over, I was like, "All right, I'm ready for the next season. Let's go." But you know, it doesn't work that way. So, well, I'm ready for the first week of the season to come out, and and the SEC Network Cuervo will be out. I think it's August 14th or 15th. A lot of cable mm-hmm. companies haven't picked it up yet. But how is the SEC Network? And I'm going to ask you, since you're an SEC guy, we have College Game Day on Saturday, Kurt Herb Street. Fowler and those guys, how is the SEC network in the morning going to compete? I mean, I'm still going to watch ESPN and Herb Street. Are you going to watch the SEC network while game day is going on, or, or how are you going to do that? You know, I'm, I'm going to keep – I'll keep it honest with you, uh, Tarvin. I'm probably going to flip back and forth between, you know, whichever one is not on commercial. So I'll be, I'll be just going back and forth because, um, you know, I just – I don't like commercials. You know, I got spoiled with the NFL Red Zone channel on Sundays, so I I don't like commercials. And so if one's on a commercial, I'll switch over to the next one, you know. And, I mean, if, if I wasn't an SEC fan, then I would probably say uh, game day all day. But, you know, I think what you get with well, the SEC Network as a fan, you just – they get more in-depth because game day talks about the Pac-12, the Big Ten – the Big 12, and every other conference. And there's nothing wrong with that. However, when you're an SEC fan, you know, you, you don't you, – there's no such thing as, oh, okay, I, I've had enough SEC talk. I want to talk about other teams. So, I, I mean, that's what I'm going to do. 
uh, I'll be flipping back and forth. Well, Trey, I mean, I like the SEC too, but I'm an Auburn fan and I'm a college football fan. Any way you're going to turn game day off, Trey, to watch the SEC network and see Paul Feinbaum with his big ears running his mouth? <laughs> no, I, I got to tell you, I'm not so excited about who is even on uh, the morning game show or whatever you want to call it for uh, the SEC <laughs> network. I don't imagine that, that I'll tune in much at all. Um, I mean, it has to be a pretty bad segment on game day for me to tune in to the SEC <laughs> network and watch those guys. Uh, you know, I, I just, yeah, it doesn't excite me enough to uh, to watch those guys talk about football. <laughs> so it's the money different, maybe. Yeah, I, I just can't imagine. I mean, you would have to be uh, the biggest SEC homer out there to to watch the SEC network only during game day. Game day is a religion, and Cuervo just a to help you out here, what you do to avoid commercials, record it, wait until 10.30 or 9.30 to, to turn it on, and then you can probably make it through close to it, just fast forward through the commercials. That's how you do it. But the SEC Network, you have Jesse Palmer. I can't stand him. You have that guy from Georgia. What's his name? The defensive player. He gets on my nerves. Paul Pollock. Feinbaum. Yeah, Pollock Feinbaum. This is the worst cast. Trey's right. I mean, <laughs> you, you couldn't have picked three more terrible people in the world to do it. I'm going to look at Herb Street because I respect Herb Street and what he says. I mean, Corso is better than those guys, Trey. Hey, look, here's the thing, man. Herb Street brings it, uh, and Corso just makes me absolutely watch the show because, I mean, he's just he's funny. He knows his football. Uh, but, you know, I even like um, – you know, I even I even like obviously the some of the side shows they do on game day. So I'm a game day guy for sure. I am too. And the SEC network, I know I've heard it's gonna cost ten dollars per month and, and out of that Trey, you'll be excited that the Paul Feinbaum show will be live. I mean you can actually see him on T V now instead of hearing the callers. He's gonna be on on air on T V with his callers. They're gonna have some way where you can see his famous callers on air. I know you're excited about that. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you, there's no way I'll watch that. <laughs> I mean, I don't listen to it very much at all, if ever, and it's very rare that I'll tune into his show. Um, but I can tell you, I'm not going to watch it. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's just, it's just not something that I find entertaining, uh, listening to people who don't really know much about college football uh, yell at each other. Well, I do want to talk about a team in college football, the Texas Longhorns. And I put a post up the other night in our message board, Cuervo, about, you know, I know it's early, but Charlie Strong at Texas, you look at Texas A&M, the momentum they have right now in recruiting. Ever since they've joined the SEC, they've been knocking it out of the park. But I'm hearing Charlie Strong's having a very difficult time building relationships with high school coaches right now. And I know it's early. He hasn't even stepped on the field yet. But if you're a Texas fan, are you concerned a little bit that Texas A&M is, is successful right now in recruiting? And then you also have a Baylor team that, that's not doing bad. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I don't see how you're not uh, concerned with that because you're the bigger program, you're the, the bigger name, and you're getting, you're getting schooled by these, these smaller uh, programs. So, I mean, I think you absolutely have to be concerned with that, Sarvin. But – you know, at the same time, though, you can't point the finger at Charlie Strong either. The guy's been the coach for, what, two months now? You know, he he's – and 
unless you've been in the recruiting business, then you have to understand that it takes time to build relationships with other coaches, the community, things like that. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. You have to give it time. So for Texas fans, if, if you know, they have a 7-5 and five season or 8-4 and four season, don't point the finger at Charlie Strong. You know, unless he's out there just not even giving a damn and not even trying, okay, then, I, then hey, by all means, point the finger. But I, I don't see how he, how he doesn't put, put in the effort. I mean, you're talking about one of the most, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the biggest jobs that you can have, one of the most, uh, I, I don't know how to explain, I'm trying to find the words where, a job that a lot of coaches would love to have. A lot of jobs would love to be in his shoes. So, you know, don't screw it up, dude. But, again, it takes time. Don't blame him. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be – it's going to take some time. That's all I'm saying. So, and, um, you know, Texas will uh, – if he's really putting in the effort, Texas will be back and they'll be a powerhouse once again. Trey, you know I've never been a Charlie Strong fan, and and I always have said that this job is bigger than he is, really. So let, let, let's just move. Let's just pretend Saban got that job at Texas, Trey. Just say Saban took that job. How would recruiting look right now in the state of Texas between Texas and Texas A and M if Saban taking that job after this past season? Well, it'd, it'd be better than it would, obviously. I mean, that's that's for sure because Nick Saban's a great recruiter. But there's something unique about Texas recruiting that I don't think a lot of people understand. And certainly if you've never actually followed recruiting in Texas, you don't understand this, which is it's different in every state, including Alabama, Florida, California, you name it. High school football coaches require a long-term relationship before they will really help you out in recruiting in the state of Texas. That's different. You know, Alabama, Florida, you know, you can invite a coach to a camp pay him a couple of grand to show up at your camp, and then you may have access to a recruit, you know, in a, in a different area. Um, that doesn't happen so much in Texas because they actually need that relationship. Now, someone who was, in, who was at A&M was at Houston prior to that and had a lot of relationships with these coaches prior to that. So when he hit the big stage at A&M, it was a lot easier for him to draw in these recruits. Uh, Nick Saban has been recruiting Texas for a long time, you know, at LSU and Alabama – uh, he's been able to get into a lot of these houses, uh, but he would have access to a lot of these places, even more so if he was actually in the state of Texas because he's already in there uh, recruiting. And the problem with Charlie Strong is, is he hasn't, Tarvin. I mean, I mean he, when he was at Florida, not so much. When he was at Louisville, he certainly wasn't going into a lot of these big high school programs in Texas. So for the first time in his career, you know, Charlie Strong is having to go to these high school coaches who have these long-term relationships with a lot of other coaches and make up a lot of ground. And, and I agree with Cuervo. It's going to take years uh, for, for a guy like Charlie Strong to make an impact here because he doesn't have a relationship with these coaches and high, these high school coaches. Uh, and it's a very only, few number of guys who would have had that. My only concern, Trey, is in a few years, I mean, it may be too late almost with the with the momentum a couple of other schools are having, but we'll wait then. We have a caller from the 434 area code. I think I know who this is. You're on way in sports. Hey, how y'all doing? This is Chris. Chris, thanks for calling in the show. How's everything going? Great. I'm just ready for college football. 
I know you're a big Texas Longhorn fan. I mean, what do you think? I, I love hearing from fanatical fans like yourself about the school. So tell us about the Texas Longhorns. What, what are your expectations, and what do you think of Charlie Strong? Well, um, I did agree getting rid of Mac Brown. I felt that after the injury with Colt in the Alabama game, everything began going downhill. Um, like Tech said in the interview last year, Injuries were a huge issue. I talked to running backs got hurt. I saw a quarterback got hurt. Um, we had to rely on Case McCoy, who honestly isn't that talented at a big school like Texas. And I feel that with Strong, if nothing else, he'll bring in a new culture. Now, whether that will be good down the road is yet to see, of course. But I did like the change of direction, even though this upcoming 2014 season. I just wrote an article on this about about a week ago, and I know people that are Longhorn fans are going to hate hearing this, but I had us going 7-5 and five this coming year because our quarterback situation is up in the air big time. We have David Ash coming off an injury, concussion injuries, neck injuries, and the only people that's behind him is the uh, freshman coming in, Javide Hurd, who was highly talented, but and also Tyrone Swoops, who we saw a little of when Case was out last year, but he showed that through a 60-minute uh, game, he's not capable of doing everything just yet. So if Ash has any injury problems reoccurring, it's going to be a long season in Texas again. How long do you think it's going to take Charlie Strong to develop those relationships in the state of Texas? With those high school coaches, that's where it that's that's where his butter or bread is buttered. Really, how many yeah. years are you gonna say? Um, I would say two to three at the most, and I would um, say a lot of that depends on how his start gets off. To honestly, because you know what they always say about first impressions, and if he gets out of the gate and starts losing, I think it's gonna be a downhill spiral, and then people will start probably saying, why did they get rid of Mac Brown? And then that will start a whole new controversy. And then if Strong gets in over his head, like y'all mentioned earlier, which could be very possible because not being affiliated with this area and more the SEC area, then it could turn out disastrous for him, to be honest. But I would say two to three years, if he's winning on the field, of course that will lead to success in the recruiting trails. But like I said, this year, their schedule is really tough. They play UCLA and non-conference. It has a lot of tough road games in conference. And whether Mac was there or Strong is here like he is, I think it's going to be an average season at best. What, what did you think about Charlie Strong's comments a few months ago about, and, and I know your, your 7-5 and five prediction, you, you don't think yeah. they're going to win a championship, but what do you think about his comments saying they're not going to be making a, a playoff or winning a championship this year? Well, I, I like his honesty, I guess I would say. I mean, at least he's being a realist about it, even though, as you know, Texas fans are like as diehard as you can get. And every, year, every year you expect a championship. But honestly, if you think like that, in my opinion, then you're just setting yourself up for failure every year. And I think we do have a problem of that as a fan base and an organization as a team, to be honest, even though that's probably horrible for me to say. It's honest, honestly, the truth. And... Him saying that, I do like that he's being realistic about it and not wanting to just 
throw it in people's faces saying we're going to win right away, but making it as a progress and realizing he has to change and make a progression from Matt Brown area error, which is totally different than what his error will be because of their philosophies being totally different. So I can understand what he's saying. I like that he's being honest with the fans, to be honest. Chris, at first I thought that, you know, what he was saying was kind of a cop-out to give him an excuse in case, like you said, they, they were that 7-5, and 6-16. Six and 16. But, I mean, what, what what's going to happen if he – if he goes undefeated, I mean, he can say he's, a, he's such a great coach and all. At first, I thought it was a cop-out, I'll be honest with you. And then when I started thinking about it and looking into it, I started to believe it just a little bit more. So how much of a – how long is the leash for – or how short is the leash for Charlie Strong? If he gets in there the first year and, you know, 6-6, six 7-5, and six, seven and five, and the next year you see another 6-6, six 7-5 and six, seven and five season, how patient is Texas going to be with this guy? I don't believe real patient, to be honest, um, because they had so much success with Matt Brown. They had a stretch from 2004 to 2009 with Vince Young and Colt McCoy where they went 75-10 and 10 with two Big 12 titles and two Rose Bowl victories, including the 05 title. And I think that kind of spoiled us in a way where if we have a season like last year where we were a couple games away from winning the Big 12 and going to a BCS game, it's not looked at as a success. And like you said, in the second year, if what I think happens this coming year happens again, a 7-5 and five average season at best, then I think he will really be in trouble. Because um, I'm sure you've heard the boosters come out and say stuff about how they don't fully support him and everything. And, of course, the whole mm-hmm. flip-flopping about whether they wanted Matt Brown to go or stay or whatever. And if he has two average seasons after the one I'm predicting for 0-14, then I think he'll have to really do something special in 2016 to survive the 2017 and beyond. But for his sake, I hope that doesn't happen. But if it does, I don't believe it will be a very long leash, to be honest. Well, Chris, thank you very much for calling in and giving us your opinion. And, and keep listening, keep following us, and, and keep calling in to give us some updates on the Texas Longhorns. Uh, Cuervo, that was some good analysis given by Chris Alderson here. What do you think? Well, I mean, I, I think I think he speaks the truth. I mean, you know, it, it's you know, going back to one one thing that I that I uh, you know kind of caught my ear was talking about how, um, from what I understand, I guess people were asking what kind of season do do does he expect to have in his first year, and he's like, well, I don't expect much you know, seven and five maybe, and people are, like, going off the deep end. Well, what do you want him to say? You want, you want him to lie to everybody and, and, and say, oh, yeah, we're, we're definitely going undefeated. We're definitely going to win a national title. Really? When you got Florida State, Alabama, Auburn, and Ohio State to worry about? To me, I think that was the best thing he could have said because, you know, one thing, the, one of the biggest ways – one of the quickest ways to develop relationships is to be honest. And you have nothing to lose by saying, look, it's going to take some time, but we're going to, we're going to get this thing going back and, you know, t- Texas football is going to be back. So, I mean, by him saying that, I don't know, I don't understand whoever out there is saying that, 
oh, he said he, he shouldn't have said that, and oh, he's just, you know, he was, he was dumb, and you always have to have the highest expectation. No, you have to have realistic expectations, and realistic is not 12-0 and 0 every single year, winning a national championship every single year, okay? Yeah, you can talk the talk, but it's a lot harder to walk the walk. So for me, I think that's the biggest thing. He just has to be honest with himself. He's got to be honest with, uh, you know, the people around him. And to me, that's going to help. That's going to pay him dividends in the, in the long run because it's going, to, it's going to build the trust that much faster with all these high school coaches and with the people around him. So, um, you know, and, and everything else that was talked about, I, I, I give him three years. He has three years to really gain the trust of, you know, the high schools in, in, in the state of Texas or in the area of where he's recruiting out of. And, you know, if it doesn't change or if there's no improvements, then, I mean, hey, maybe he just wasn't the guy, you know. And that's another thing too, Tarvin. It's Texas is kind of school. you got to have a guy that understands that part of the country. And what I mean by that is I'm not saying he has to, you know, somebody that has to be from Texas, but somebody that understands how they do things down there really understands, really knows how things work. And if you don't know and you just kind of dive in head first and you're just like, well, I want this kid, this kid, this kid, this kid, you know, he's going to fall flat on his face. So to me, I think he has to really um, understand how, how things operate down there in that part of the country because I can tell you it's a lot different than how they do things everywhere else. Yeah, and we got Tino on the line. Tino, welcome to the show, man. Well, How are you? What's going on, man? Long time no hear from. How's everybody doing? I'm just here trying to keep Trey in line. He's giving me trouble today. Yeah, yeah. Is he still switching up teams and stuff like he usually does? He's a huge Florida State fan at the moment, man. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, I understand. It is what it is, man. I, you know, I wanted to touch on the Texas topic, man, and I don't want to offend any, anyone by what I'm fixing to say, but, you know, uh, with all due respect, man, and in and, and reality, a lot of that whole thing down there in Texas right now has got to deal with the race thing. Um, Matt Brown never had a lot of diversity on his team and the coaching staff or anything like that for a long period of time, and, and Texas people are accustomed to and being stuck in their ways. I'm not saying that they're racist. I'm not accusing anybody of that. But what I'm saying is that, that, that facts are facts, and, and that's one of the things that he's having to deal with in Texas right now is, is, is crossing that boundary, getting everything up to speed, getting everything back up to date because Texas is a southern state, and they're one of the southern states that, that was one of the last southern states to really be diversified with everything. And You know, I'm, I'm not trying to turn the show into – uh, politics or, or social studies or nothing like that. I'm just, you know, telling the truth. So, so you think Charlie Strong's going to have more pressure on him because he's black? Not, I never said that. That's not what I said. I said that that that, that he's having difficulties down there because he is black. Um, that Texas coaching and, and and throughout Texas is predominantly white. I'm not saying that it's a race thing involved with it. 
but I'm saying that okay. that's one okay. thing that, that 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 is involved with the situation. I'm not insinuating that because he's black, he's having a hard time in life. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that that that, that in Texas, people are loyal, and they've been loyal for a long time. Coaches in Texas you generally stay there for long periods of time, even in high schools. And that's what I'm saying that 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 loyalty that those people have sticks with them. And I'm not I'm not saying that race is a major issue. I'm just saying that it is a factor in the whole situation. Yeah, so how long do you think it's going to take, Mister uh, Charlie Strong, to turn it around in Texas? He, I have to admit, looking at what he inherited there, just the empty cupboard. It's kind of like when when Chizik came over and took over for Tuberville, how empty, the, how bare the cupboard was, really. I think he's got to go through that as well. So he's going to have to be a great recruiter, and he's going to have to turn this team around very fast with, with not many resources, really. Yeah, and, and I, I agree. And, and, and what, I, what, what I was saying a while ago is, and I don't want nobody to take what I'm saying out of content, but we live in a society today that is – semi-racist, I mean, to a certain extent. What I was saying is that, that Matt Brown has relationships with those those high school coaches for God knows how long, probably since Moses and Jesus was here, and that's how long he's been at Texas. And, and mm-hmm. those relationships, some of those high school coaches are, are still kind of angry and upset with how Matt got, you know, how he was basically forced to leave. I'm just saying that, that, that he has to not only overcome uh, recruiting on his own, but overcome the boundaries and the obstacles from the past bridges of relationships that were, that were already there from Mac Brown. That, 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 that's what I'm. That's that's what I'm getting to. I, I'm not necessarily saying anything other than that. That he has to also build a trust, and it's not easy building a trust, especially when you you go into a relationship and, and it's already on rocky terms. You, you know, it, it's a it's a it's a bad ordeal. He's got he's got a, he's yeah. got a tall mountain he's got a tall mountain to climb you know that that that's that's for damn sure. I think what he's going to do is build it up a little bit, and whoever takes his place is going to come in and, and possibly get in that playoff the next year or so, and kind of mm-hmm. take credit for what he built, what he rebuilt there. But Mac Brown almost destroyed the program, and I know a lot of people love that guy, but for some reason he stopped recruiting. I, I think he he got lazy. He didn't stop. You, you know back up. you know. You know, I'm not going to say that, Tarvin. I think you're a little bit out of line right there when you make that comment. I don't think he got lazy. And when I when I say I don't think he got lazy, and you're you're a good friend of mine, and, and I love you to death, and, and I never call anybody out. But here's what you got: you got Bobby Bowden, you got Mac Brown, two old school cats that aren't on Twitter, that aren't on Facebook, that aren't on Instagram, that aren't on uh, MySpace, they ain't on. Uh, uh, the, with all these other YouTube and everything like that, you have to adapt to society today to to, to be successful. I remember I remember when uh, internet first came out, and I would get online, and all of a sudden I would hear my mama yell from upstairs, "Get off the internet! I want to use the phone." And it would dial up, you know. And I I said to myself back then, this internet thing ain't gonna last. It'll be around for a couple months. I ain't studying the internet, you know. I, I hated the internet for forever, and, and then I, then it came to a point where I had to use it. What I'm saying is that those guys are old school. You can't change those type of coaches. There's nothing you can do to make them change, similar to John Madden. John Madden refused to fly. He would drive that bus coaching all over the world. The reason why he quit coaching, he ain't flying nowhere. 
But because of the new schedules in the NFL and everything they had going on, they were basically going to force him to fly. I think that Matt Brown and Bobby Bound, they didn't quit on their teams. They just didn't adapt to the new society where all these players are on Twitter. They're on Facebook. They want you to shout them out on there. They want you to say, we got such and such coming to, to uh, Tuscaloosa today. We got this guy and this guy. They want, they want those recruits. They get hyped up by seeing their name or, or, or hearing, their, hearing their name called. It's a lot of hype behind all the recruiting. And those coaches just didn't, what you could say, get jiggy with it. They, 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 wouldn't, they wouldn't upgrade. They, they, stayed, they stayed dial up when Internet Now is using, you know, which uh, is laziness. Which is laziness. If you're not adapting, you're not studying, trying to, to catch up. Look at Saban. He, what, how, how much different in age is Mac Brown and Nick Saban? Well, I mean, I don't know. You know, Nick Saban, he buys all the aging cream and stuff, so he don't look as old as Mac Brown. You know, that's when you got a lot of money in Tuscaloosa. You can make yourself look younger. But what I'm saying is that he was just stuck in his ways. He, he won in Texas for so long, doing it his way. He didn't want to change. You know, it's kind of like my grandmother. She does certain things, and she'll never stop doing certain things. She likes going to grocery stores on certain days. Some older people, man, they just won't change, man. You can't. You can't. I'm not gonna say they're lazy. I'm just gonna say that they're content. That they just they they won't do anything else. Okay. Well, Tino, give us uh, your thoughts on Philip Lunson Kirk, and I know you, you know I, I told you about that today, and it crushed you. Uh, give us your thoughts. Man, you know, you, you was the first person to tell me, man. I, I actually uh, took my mom home today. She spent a week with me, and I took her home way in the country. I really didn't have service on my phone. And then, uh, you know, you told me, and I didn't believe you, man. I, I really thought it was a hoax. And I, and I thought I read what you said wrong the first time. I looked back again, then I, then I Googled it, then I looked at it again, and, and it hit me. You know, dang, man. You know, how, why, why did this happen? You know, such a, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't have answers for everything. You know, we we're put in life to to do to do whatever it is we're supposed to do, and once we accomplish whatever it is, then it's our time to go. You know, um, I talked to my, my buddy who played high school ball with me. He's a, a state trooper. He's not in the Lagrange Troop County area, but he's in the metro area, and he called down there and he told me that basically what happened was they came up on a road. There was a T intersection. And it had been raining or whatever, you know, that night, so the road was a little bit slippery. And they came up in an intersection around a curve, and there was a stop sign at the T intersection. Well, he said in that, in that small town that, that it will sneak up on you before you know it. So by the time they got up on the stop sign, they couldn't stop. They kept going straight. They went through an embankment, down through a church and all that. You know, like 450 yards, they, were, they had lost control. Well, there's another guy that actually survived from it as of right now. Um, but they, that's how they, they actually lost control because of the conditions of the road and because they weren't familiar with where they was. He said at the time that they didn't have any, any, any suspicion that alcohol was involved. It was just a, a, a bad situation, you know. It, it, it hurts when you got a guy like that that's a good guy. He was with the St. Louis Rams, you know, then that injury uh, not allowed him to play anymore. He, he gave up on football for a brief period of time. And then he got the call from the coaches down in Montgomery, you know, about coaching again. He did it for free. He went in there and coached. And he got with that kid, Jalen Harris. And uh, he really, really uh, got Jalen Harris, got with him, pumped him up, you know, showed him what to do and built that, that kid's confidence up and got the kid recruited to Auburn now. But not only before he got recruited to Auburn, Alabama looked at him, Georgia, Florida, a bunch of other schools. And then next thing you know, 
this just happened with Lutz. I, I think that, you know, that it's a sad thing, man. I think that we all take life for granted, each and every one of us, don't realize yep. the time that we can't never get back, man. We got to take advantage of the time that we are here. And I ain't trying to preach to y'all on the show. I just speak my mind because I really care about not only him, but all college football players and everybody in general. Yeah, well, Tino, man, we're out of time for tonight. But um, I want to say thank you for calling in and giving us your thoughts on that. Thanks to everybody for joining in, text, for the interview. Tino, stay back in touch with us. Don't be a stranger to the show, buddy. Cuervo, thanks for joining us. Sonia, Jason, Trey, everybody in the chat room, Chris, for calling in. Let's see, Wednesday night, we're going to be on at 9 o'clock. That's going to be our new time, I believe, 9 p.m. Eastern. College football is right around the corner. We'll probably take a break Sunday night for next Sunday night, being the fourth holiday and everything, people being out of town. But we're going to kick it back into high gear and get into the college football talk. Cuervo, thanks for joining us again, bud. Everybody have a safe, great week out there. And, again, condolences to Philip Lesnar-Kirkin's family and the entire Auburn Nation for a loss today that, man, just is devastating. But, again, thanks, everybody, for listening to the show, and we'll see you next time.